Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So good. Good to be in church with you this morning. Massive welcome to you. And if you're new or visiting here today, so good to have you at Thrive. Man, I love that worship time that we had this morning. And Mitch, I just want to give you a shout out just for rallying (laughs) after our first thank you song and just really encouraging us to just lean in and actually to take stock of our lives and um, to be thankful. (laughs) And didn't you feel the atmosphere in the church shift at that point as we came together around thankfulness? And so I just want to encourage you to bring bring a, a, a shout of praise to church to bring a thankful heart and just, man, we're just going to be good to go on Sunday mornings when we, when we join together. Hey, today it's uh, Life Group Sunday, and I'm just going to get straight into the Word and uh, break this open, and then we're just going to just go from there. So we're just going to start from the Gospel of Mark. I think it's chapter... Oh, actually, I didn't write the chapter down. You're going to have to find this out yourself. Um, you can... Chapter 6. Oh, that's helpful, isn't it? Chapter 6, there we go, verse 34. You can just read that yourself, actually. No. Uh, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Uh, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give, them, uh, give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. Then they found out, they, when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So that they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to all the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They ate, they all ate. Everyone say all ate. And we're all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand, and not counting, obviously, the women and children. So that was an an incredible crowd of people that were satisfied because Jesus turned up in their midst, a miracle happened, and the rest was history. Just changing the subject completely. When I used to sail racing dinghies years ago, uh, and I loved competing on the water. It was so cool. I was a part of, I learned to sail up in Picton, and uh, then I was a part of the Waimakariri Sail and Powerboat Club uh, down there, and uh, we used to love sailing competitively. I was chosen to represent Canterbury. I never actually showed up because my life was a little bit of an unhinged mess at that time, and uh, anyway, I loved it. It was uh, it was a really cool sport to be a part of. And just as in other sports, when you're sailing and competing, you're, you're always looking for the winning edge. And, and I don't know, um, we've got a, a picture up there. And, 
And when, when you're in a boat and, you're, and the pressure of the wind's coming on the sail, you, you lean out to counterbalance the sail. And it's actually called hiking out, uh, to be specific, when you're sailing. And so when the wind hits the sails, you're hiking out. And, and you can imagine when you're racing, you're hiking out, you're looking for the advantage, you, uh, you're watching the weather vane on top of the mast to see where the wind is coming from, especially when you're beating into the wind because you can't really sail higher than 45 degrees into the wind or else it's called luffing up and the sail starts flapping. But you'd, you're on this edge of, of trying to gain this advantage. You're looking um, as you're sailing and doing all this watching watching the wind, watching your sail, watching your direction. You're also looking for the water. And on the water, you're looking for the wind on the water. So you're looking for darker patches of water. You're looking for white caps. And, and you're trying to navigate your boat into those darker spaces of water so that you, know, you can get the edge and you can get greater boat speed and momentum than your competitors. You want to maximize you know, the sail and the moment just to get ahead. And then once you've tacked your way up the course, it's called beating into the wind, and you're tacking up and you, you, you're aiming for the top mark. And once you round the top mark, you, uh, you can let your sail out and you can run with the wind. Or if you're on a, another kind of diagonal, it's called reaching. And, and it's a good kind of reaching. And, and, and when the, the wind, that's the fastest point of, you can really get incredible boat speed. And if you've watched the America's Cup, you know, when you, they're around that mark and then the, and, and they're in, in, in deep trouble then if they don't have the balance completely right because they can nosedive the boat because the power just so increases uh, in this sail area. And, and, and in those moments, a, a second or third sail can go up. And, and it's either a spinnaker or a genoa. And, 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 and and, and you've got to be really, really clever. You've got to be really experienced so that you can harness as much sail area because that's what you're trying. You're trying to keep the sail area maximized as well as your balance so you don't capsize so that you can stay ahead of the fleet. And at that point, the... The boat can become like uh, like a focused, you know, uh, you know, like a missile, or it can become an unstable kind of thing that ends up capsizing, and everyone goes into the water as um, as I've done, as I did um, many times as I was learning, and and generally, what requires that spinnaker to work its magic is that you need to have extra weight. On the side, you need to you need to bring a greater balance, so that you've got about as much pressure and gravity working for you as that there is wind coming onto the sail, and and that usually means that you've got to have more crew members when you've got a sailboat, like with a spinnaker. You need two or three, um, and you can see these guys here. They're they're out on a the trapeze. They're right out actually on the um, on the the extra part of that boat, and they are bringing great balance, but these guys are flying. <laughs> They're just, I mean, if you knew the feeling, like you could relate to me right now, because it is the best feeling in the world when you're harnessing the power of the wind. It's so, so cool. And, and I just want to flick the switch here with you, though, that, that and, and just to think of this thought that, that the power and the promises and the purposes are so big for our lives they're so incredibly profound 
that they could never be captivated alone. That they could never, actually, they've never been designed for just the one. You know, heaven cares about the one, we care about the one, but to fully own and live and breathe in the river and the wind of the Spirit, we can't actually do that adventure alone. In Matthew 18, it says this, it says, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That agreement is in line with heaven's will, all right? Just to frame it around that. So it's not like you're sitting there like, man, I just want a friend to agree with a new PlayStation for me. Just, you know, that's not necessarily healthy for you, and God will give to us what is most healthy for us, you know. I just want a little disclaimer there. And then it says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And I believe that there's this hidden message in this scripture that it is unlikely that our faith will experience significant expression if we keep our burdens and our dreams to ourselves. If two of you agree about anything, it will be done for them. But if you're by yourself, you know, you're kind of more likely to capsize the boat <laughs> when the pressure increases. And if, if we want this year, 2020, I just want to encourage you, if you want more wind in the sails, if you've got great dreams or great burdens in your life, we need to partner together with others. We need to partner with others. Just turn to your neighbor and say, are you with me? I'm with you. You know, what's, come on. I thought this was mutual. No. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a greater dimension of heaven's realm that I believe will be unlocked to us as we connect with others, as we do life with others, and we align ourselves with others He's all about unity, people. The Father loves unity. And if you want to, you can write this down, that powerful faith comes alive in the context of relationships. Powerful faith comes alive in the context of relationships. And I believe like it's, it's our, that our faith has a pulse. It is expressed, it is experienced, and it is revealed through the experience of being in community. That's where it's at, doing life with others. When you think about the outpouring at Pentecost, when Peter preached, you know, the Holy Spirit came down and he stood up, you know, like as really he was standing up into this leadership of the church at this time. And, and, and he preached and 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They became something. They, they, they went from believing another way and living another way, and they became the church. They said, we're, we're different 
but we got something good going on here, and we belong together. And then that chapter goes on to say, it says, daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion, the, the common union, <laughs> communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. There's something going on in this scripture. There's something that went on in history when the, when the church came together and said, we're the church, we're different. But come and be a part of what God's doing in our lives. Come and experience the river. Come and experience the outpouring. Come and experience the generosity of what it means to be a part of the believers. Read the start of Acts and get excited again about the expression of the church. The church is created to be alive. And today my message is just called Connect for Life. Connect for life. And that's got double meanings in it. But connect for life. That's where life, the life flow of heaven is. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for the reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of their body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Isn't that awesome? So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. See, this scripture, <laughs> there's not such a hidden message in the scripture, is it? <laughs> it's not hidden, it's... It's actually revealing to us that the connected followers of Jesus reveal the image and the expression of the Christ. We are the body of Christ. It's quite a, it's quite a revelation to put on. <laughs> He's like, hey, church, you're going to show what I look like <laughs> to the world together. You're going to reveal my heart and my nature. And Paul's saying that actually that believing the gospel just isn't enough, that experiencing the Holy Spirit isn't enough, that, you know, there's something more to the expression of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I love what Andy Stanley says. He says that you don't mature past the point of needing one another. And by the way, there's some one another's that need you. During our worship today, uh, just just a couple of minutes ago, I just got so wrecked with the Holy Spirit for lost things, for lost people. Oh, I was just, man, God was just putting like like a family member on my heart that He's showing me a vision of them one day, like giving their life to Christ. It was probably about 15 years ago. I had this picture, and I've just 
carried it in, um, in my spirit for so many years. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I misplaced my wallet. I'll say misplaced. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was like, Holy Spirit, you know where this wallet is. <laughs> you know where it is. I don't know where it is. I thought I had a, you know, it's safe, but no, I don't know where my wallet is. And I was like, okay, this is lost. What do I do? And I thought, first thing I better do is I'm going to ring up the bank, make sure that my credit cards, it has not been sold, my credit cards haven't been, like, tampered with, and I've just, like, I'm in trouble. So I made sure, no, nothing's been touched. So I'm like, okay, God, does, you want to give me back this wallet. It's, it's, I just had the sense that it, I was going to find it. And, um, at the same time, I was, like, wrestling with the reality that it's not a good idea to have a lost wallet. I don't have any cards, except, you know, it was really annoying. And um, and so for a couple of weeks, probably 10, yeah, no, it was about a couple of weeks, I was like, God, where's, where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? And then I had a dream um, earlier this week that I, um, in, in my dream, I found my wallet in the top of a drawer. And in the dream, this is, this is, this is my dream, all right, it was sitting on top of another wallet that I had stolen from me uh, 15 years ago. It was actually stolen from my workplace, and I was at work at the time. I knew where it was. I went back to find my wallet, and it had gone. And I knew someone, and I thought I'd seen the door close in my workplace, and I was like, Someone's stolen my wallet. When I, when I thought about it over the next hour, I was like, no, I'm sure someone stole my wallet. So I was like, Holy Spirit, where's my wallet? And I had a, I had a vision when I prayed. And I saw a building about three blocks down, uh, three, three buildings down from where I was. And in the loo on top of a toilet, that would be where my wallet was. So <laughs> like straight up, I went down the road, walked into this training facility, went into the toilets, and my wallet sitting on top of a urinal. And I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> okay, God, where do I get more money? Ah, it didn't really work like that to fill my wallet. Uh, and, 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 you know, God cares about lost things. So in this dream I had this week, my wallet was sitting on that other wallet that was stolen, and it was a reassurance to me that I would find my wallet. Yeah. It really was. And then a couple of days, the bank rang and said, hey, we've got your wallet. <laughs> so I got my wallet back. Yes. Long story short, I've got, I just so felt in worship that God cares about lost, lost people. Lot, like He so wants lost. He is lost things. So lost people, lost dreams, you know, lost relationships, dislocation. He like is on that stuff. He cares about what you care about, who you care about deeply. He so, so cares about the body of Christ, and he cares about the missing, you know, the, the, the things that aren't in place and, and aren't in order. There's the smallest bone in the human body, and, and it's called the, the stapes, and it's in our ear, and, and it's unseen. It's, it's a small, unseen bone, but without it, the, the whole of our body is under, under the influence of its absence, Without it, the whole body is under the influence of its absence. Who's missing? <laughs> What's missing? You come back. Maybe you're here today and you're just dislocated and you feel dislocated from the body of Christ. I, I just want to call you to come back. Come and be yourself. <laughs> Don't try and be anyone else. 
Just be you because you belong and you have a divine appointment in the body of Christ. We can't do this faith walk alone. We need each other. And when you're not here, when I'm not here, when someone's dislocated, the expression of Jesus Christ is actually under threat in our community because we're the body of Christ. And he didn't want, like, missing parts on his body. (laughs) He wants everyone to be connected. You know, when Jesus was asked, you know, Jared shared this a few weeks ago. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the Old Testament law was, this is out of about 613 laws, he responds with two inseparable instructions. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, all. Everyone say all. (laughs) All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, these two commandments that are distinctly different, but they're actually powerfully unified together because the, the thing is, is that we have this vertical relationship with the Father, every single one of us. We have a connection with Father, and that is priority. You know, that's the, that is the, you know, that's the first commandment is to love God. And that is a, that's the vertical, but there's this, something happens in that transaction is that when the love of God impacts our heart, it's meant to go horizontal, <laughs> It's, we're meant to start seeing people in the way, same way that the Father sees us. We're meant to start honoring each other in the same way that the Father honors us. And there's an expression of heaven that's meant to flow from our lives to each other so that we can be the body of Christ because we're a part, we're connected to Christ. So we get to express what Christ is doing and who he is. And at the feeding of the five thousand, Jesus demonstrated the vertical, didn't he? He said, you know, Father, he looked up, I think the scripture says, and he gave thanks and he broke the bread. There was this vertical dynamic going on. And then, and then obviously he went and miraculously fed 5,000. It went horizontal. It got connected with everyone who was there that day. And, 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 and there was this outworking of the miracle to the whole group of people. And there's just something in the scripture that just jumped out to me as I, as I looked out at it. And, and, and what did Jesus do to ensure that everyone was included? What did he do? It, it says that he had everyone sit down on the green grass, you know, green pastures. That's just nice that there's a mention there, isn't there, of green grass in the scripture. He had everyone sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Everyone sat down. There was a large community, you know, maybe 20,000 people there. And he had everyone sit down in 50s and he created these community hubs and and environments that ensured no one would miss out. That everyone who turned up that day would be seen. They weren't going to just sit in rows. It wasn't just a Sunday meeting. They, they broke into circles. They could look across and say, hey, you haven't gotten a thing. Who's, have we got something here for, you know, for Phil? He needs something. He's looking hungry. <laughs> and they saw one another. 
and they connected the miracle with the need. And I think that's amazing. It's an amazing connection because Jesus actually does something that's quite structural in a miraculous place. He actually says, actually, look, structure's important here. We need, to, we need this structure to serve the connections. And that's what we want to do at this church. <laughs> we, wanna, we know we're about the miracles. We're about heaven's realm. We want to see each other and, and see the Father you know, outworked in our lives. But we cannot do this alone. And we can't do it without actually organization that serves the greater purpose of his church and one another. And it's so easy to feel alone in a crowd. And I want to just tell you that as a church, like we are committed to the value of connection. We really are. It's, I think it's our first value that we have out of our four values. We, we are committed to connection and we want everyone to have a sense of being seen in this community of believers. We want everyone to receive the miracle of Christ. You know, we're a bigger church than what we were three years ago. And, you know, one of the best ways of experiencing community and belonging and connection is in life groups. It just is. And it's where we do life in circles and we were heart to heart and we can't do that here on a Sunday. We're sitting in rows. It's shoulder to shoulder. I love our Sunday gatherings, celebration, the word. We gather around worship. We gather around, you know, fellowship as well. But we're not going to be able to do life with others if we just attend on a Sunday. I just give three quick reasons why life groups work. The first one is it's a place to belong. Life groups are a place to belong. And we're, not, we're aiming to not just be a church with life groups, we're aiming to be a church of life groups, where everyone is actually connected into a life group. We, I want to just tell you, if you're keen on belonging to a life group, we have them running consistently throughout the year. We've got like mums and preschoolers groups. We've got women-only groups. We've got men-only groups. We've got mixed adults groups. We've got special purpose groups you know, that will run for a season only this year, whether that's marriage or family courses. We've got in our men's ministry, we've had this incredible course called Fathered by God that John Delmeda has been running. We're looking at raising up other leaders. And that, that course for our men has just been absolutely transformational. We, 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 we've got Gabs who comes down here every Wednesday, every second Wednesday morning and runs mini movers for our young mums and young fathers. Come on. For those who aren't a part of church, we want to do everything that we can that encourages connection. And I want to ask you, whether you're extroverted or introverted, to fight for your place of connection, your place of belonging in this church. We want to be on the front foot to you we're not going to get it right all the time, but we want to encourage you to be on your front foot. If you've said something to a leader and they haven't ever they've forgotten, I've forgotten, someone's forgotten, come back again and ask again. It's not because we don't care. Just something happened. We want to make sure that you feel like you belong in this, in this church family. The second thing is that there's a place, you know, life groups are a place to be loved. This is a place where we feel connected, supported. We're in community and you know, when we face the challenges of life, we can be there for one another. And finally, 
life groups are a place to be the life. Uh, sorry, to be the light. And I like this because I believe that every life group, every place um, of belonging and being loved is actually a breeding ground for miracles. It's a, br- it's a breeding ground for the love of Christ to be released as light into our lives and into the world. And I can imagine when Jesus sat that 5,000 down that day, wouldn't there be such an air of expectation and anticipation in that? Like, what's Jesus going to do? <laughs> what's he going to do in our group? You know, what, how's he going to manifest? And so I, I believe that our life groups are a place where the miraculous can be on display in our lives and through our lives. I just wonder if you just stand up just right now. Just jump out of your seat. You know, we, we're a church that, let me just say this, I believe we're a church where powerful faith is on display because we love one another. That's where we're going because we're for one another because we believe in one another and because we feel connected and know that we belong in this body. Our vision, just to remind you, is to see 10,000 souls radically impacted by the life of Jesus Christ in this region, nation, world. We're a church that makes room for others. We're a church that does the journey of life together where we are known by our love for one another. (coughs) Just wonder if everyone just hold hands, just link, like right across this whole place. Like let's just, let's just connect. Let's just connect. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just take a moment. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just, we thank you, Jesus, that you care about lost things. You care about us here. Maybe we're here today and we feel alone in a crowd, dislocated and disconnected. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that everyone belongs in this room today. That everyone belongs. And I just pray right now that you would release people from the lie of I don't belong. Or I'm not good enough. Or it's too hard to be in community. Or because I've been hurt before, I can't go there again. I just pray right now, Lord, that we would just disown those lies and we just take hold of that truth right now that we belong together, that we are your church and that we are your body 
And we just open our hearts right now to how you want us to take our place in this body of believers. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for your presence here in this place this morning. We agree. We agree, we agree, we agree for 10,000 souls. We agree that we can grow numerically but stay connected. We agree we can be family but be 10,000 family. God, we agree that you have got big plans for our hearts and our lives, God. We agree right now together that, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us, we we. We, break, we refute in Jesus' name. And we thank you that we are stronger together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media. 